going to begin something that I, I actually, I used to give many, many years, not many, many years ago, but many years ago, I used to give when I lived in Seattle. I started giving Sherman Spur Mises, and I used to do it every Sunday morning on the Lost Princess, Avedas Basmelech, the first Misa. And we got through the first little bit of the story, and then COVID hit, and never picked it back up. So this is really a hemshech to Sherman that I gave maybe five years ago in Seattle, or four years ago in Seattle. This is really a continuation, something that I've wanted to do at different times, you know, in various shirim throughout, throughout uh, my stint in the shtibel. We've brought up some of the story. We've even gone through some of the story inside, various shmuz and various shirim, various times. But it's something that I've, I've had a long, long, uh, long-awaited shuka to really, to really go through them properly. Uh, and the stories of Rabbi Nachman are, are like nothing else you've ever learned before. The stories of Rabbi Nachman are, first of all, tremendous, tremendous amount of oimek, of depth. There's something, there's something in the stories that, you know, that, that talk to a person in a way that nothing else really does. One of the, one of the beautiful parts of a story, and you see this in, in all the stories, is that when you hear a story, stories don't, don't talk to you in the same way something else. If somebody comes to you and somebody gives you musr, so nobody likes to hear musr. Nobody likes to hear when somebody tells them things directly. When you hear a story, I mean, you have the ability to interpret the story in your life, in your own way, it's much, much less harsh much easier for a person to hear. It's much easier for a person to handle. Nachman's stories have a tremendous masika, a tremendous sweetness to them. And a person has the ability. Rabbi Nachman didn't give over the, seek, the, the, mashal, the nimshal to the story. Which means Rabbi Nachman wasn't the first one that made up this concept of saying over stories. Dubna Magad is famous. After Nachman, Dubna Magad is famous for saying stories. And the Baal Shem Tev, we have tons of stories in the Baal Shem Tev. And we have, we have stories since, you know, Barashi's Barley came, we have stories. But most of the stories Sadiqim said, there's always a nimshal. So it was a mashal. Bashamta gave a mashal about a king and a you know, and a pan parents and children and whatever the mashal was. And the nimshal is either obvious on your own, or the Bashamta actually spoke at the nimshal. When Nachman said the stories, Nachman didn't tell people what the what the key to the story is. He didn't tell people what exactly the, the you know the nimshal is to the story. So there's these stories, and some of them are real fantasies. We're not talking about just you know, nice stories, a story about a king and a prince and the prince got thrown out of the king's palace and we have to get him back, you know, stories that we can imagine. These stories, and again, we'll see the story of the Chacham and the Tom at the beginning of the story, it's a very, very normal story and everything's very, it's not, it's not fantasy at all. But as we get deeper and deeper into the story, it's going to get, you know, to places that you have to really use wild imagination to be able to understand it. Aved Despas also begins as a regular story and then he's talking about giants, and he's talking about flying and an, talking animals and birds, and talking about fascinating things, things that Sadiqim didn't speak about. And Ibn himself said that some of the stories that Ibn Nachman said over weren't his own stories, they weren't original. Which means his 13 stories, they weren't original stories. Some of them were actually stories that were set over, could have been even by Goyim, but there were stories that were first and that were set over. And Ibn Nachman took them and perfected them and fine-tuned them. And Nachman changed them to be able to have something which has a tremendous, tremendous amount of depth to it. Ibn Nachman himself writes, and, Sikha Saran, Rabbi Nachman writes, Sapru Bagayim, Sapru Bagayim Kvaide. That's a passing in Tehillim, Jusem Sukhavazim, Sapru Bagayim Kvaide, which means the nations of the world are, seeing, are speaking about and are saying over the, the covet, the glory of Hashem. When Mashiach comes, that's what all the nations of the world are going to do, speak about the glory of Hashem. Rabbi Nachman said, even now, Sapru Bagayim, the Sipuri of the Gayim, the stories of the Gayim that the Gayim are saying over, if you know how to look at them properly, you'll see Kvaide over there also. You'll be able to see the glory of Hashem. This is something that Hashem Tev taught us very, very clearly that everything that a person hears, any conversation that a person overhears was directly meant for you and for you to be able to hear, to take a lesson out of it. Now what that means, how to do it, we don't have the ability to interpret every lesson, but if you're standing in the pizza shop and there's two people schmoozing in front of you and you overhear that conversation, it's clear Hashem Pratis. And the Hashem wants you to hear that conversation. Yeah? yeah <laughs> and there's, <laughs> and there's, some, there's something that you're supposed to hear. Now, again, if we live in a way that we're constantly trying to figure out, we're going to go crazy because, you know, we're going to constantly, you know, 
triple thinking every car that passes. Why did a blue car pass me with that license? Again, we're not we're not Navium, and we're not we're not even Bnei Navium. We're Bnei 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 Navium. But that ability to be able to to be able to say that everything's happening for a reason. And Rav Nachman said that if the Goyim are saying a story, then there's then there's a reason for it. There's something taking place. Rav Nachman fine tuned those stories and gave them over as thirteen stories. Now the thirteen stories obviously represent the thirteen Yudgim Omidas Arachimim. And Rav Nachman said that just listen, just saying these stories and just learning the stories, even on the simplest level, even without getting any explanation, just reading the stories. Nachman said a person could have tremendous, tremendous, tremendous schoolists and tremendous good things can come out of it. Nachman, one of the things that Nachman said, if a woman has a difficult time having children, that one of the schoolists for Paikid Ikaris, for an Akara, for a woman having a difficult time having children, is these stories of Nachman's stories. They're Yudgal Midas Rachim, there's tremendous Rachmanas and tremendous Chesed that comes out of these stories. Huh? The woman should learn it? Yeah. Hearing the stories, just hearing it over. Say it over. I say it over to my children. Say over these stories. My children should love the stories. Say over the Avedis Basmelech, a princess. It's exciting stories. I'd rather tell over this story than the story of the Birnstein Beers. This is something that I know, you know, has, comes from a place which is called, you know, Rachman calls them, it comes from Amish Atika, it comes from a very, very deep place. There's a stories, Meshanam Akadmonios, that's what he said, that's what he writes, which means they're old stories, but it doesn't just mean they're 20 years old. It means they come from deep, deep, you know, beyond, before creation, from the place of Atak Yemen. They come from a very, very deep, high, lofty place. There's I remember I was in I was in a farm store in in Yushalayim. I remember it's farm store and I saw there was one safer. I didn't buy it. I probably should have bought it. It was four or five hundred pages on one of the stories. Al the whole story, every word of the story. Al So again, we're not learning it al pikabala. We have to learn it simply in a way that helps Hashem. But it's also important to know that every word and every mashal. Nachman says a story, and we'll see. We're going to see the story. We're going to begin with his ninth story, the story of the Chacham and the Tam. That ninth story of the Chacham and the Tam. There's a reason why the Chacham ended up in the jobs, the various jobs that he took, and the reason why the Tom ended up being a shoemaker, all of those things have a tremendous, tremendous amount of depth to it. And obviously, we don't understand all the levels, but we need to know, we need to believe, and we need to have the Amuna that there's something bigger taking place, that these stories are Mishanam Kadmonyes, these stories are very deep, and there's a lot taking place underneath the surface. And again, we have to understand them, the Nimshal has to be based on what we're capable of understanding, but at the same time, every part's crucial. That's why Reb Nachman said that you can, Reb Nachman said, told Reb Nassim to write over the stories, but he said, don't change any details. That's what we'll see, we're gonna see, I wanna read through a little bit of the Agdama. Reb Nassim, the reason why Reb Nassim printed these stories, which was a very very bold thing of him to do because at the time that Reb Nachman was alive, there was a lot of asnagdas against Reb Nachman, not just from the Litvaks, not just from the Masnagdim, but even from within the Hasidim, the Shpalazeda, you know, Baroisham, he was the one leading the asnagdas against Reb Nachman. There's a lot of, and there's a lot to talk about the history and the fights that took place amongst the Hasidim against Reb Nachman and the Snagdas against him and why that happened and how it happened. Story with the Chazan, again, it's, a, you know, that, that itself's history. But once Reb Nachman was Nifter and Reb Nachman was the only one Taking charge of Brest of Chasidus, the Snagdas only got worse and worse and worse. Because Ram Nachman's alive, Ram Nachman's the Enikal from the Balshamtiv. And everybody had to admit that he was a big person. He may have not liked what he said, he may, have, he may have not thought that it was appropriate what he was saying and it was the right time and the right way to say it. Like the Shpalazeda said, he may have not liked everything, but at the end of the day, he's the Enikal from the Balshamtiv. And he grew up in the Balshamtiv's house. Right? One of the things that, one, one of the places that, that Ram Nachman grew up, his mother was Yerush, but Yerusha, the Balshamtiv's house. He grew up in Mezhbish, but not any else. He grew up, Mamish, growing up. He was born in the Balshamtiv's house. He grew up in the Balshamtiv's house, around the Talita Balshamtiv. It's Ankar Baruch Mezhbish, also, was, you know, a lot of back and forth between the two of them. But at the end of the day, he was an Enikal from the Balshamtiv, and Nachman, Ben Fega, Ben Udul, Ben, ben the Balshamtiv, Ben Yisrael Balshamtiv. And therefore, it was very, very difficult for people to just, 
you know, dismiss him very, very, uh, very easily. But once Reb Nassim came into came into the picture, so Reb Nassim, who's Reb Nassim? Reb Nassim was born to you know a very nice family. He married into a very chashva family. His father, his father-in-law was a massive, massive goyin. His father-in-law was a, a rav of I don't remember how many towns, a bunch of many, many towns together. But at the end of the day, he was he didn't have yichas like Reb Nachman had. And therefore, once Reb once Reb Nassim came into came into play, so the ability to dismiss Reb Nassim and to dismiss all of Breslov and everything that he was writing was much, much easier for people to do. And therefore, there's a tremendous amount of a snagness against Reb Nassim. If it's worthwhile reading the book through fire and water, which BRI put out, the book through fire and water, which goes through Nassim's life. Nassim had both from within his family, which means his father, he almost got divorced from his wife because of his you know, affiliation with Reb Nachman, which itself is, you know, his father-in-law. His father used to get together, his father-in-law is a real misnagid. His father-in-law used to get together every day, gather the family every day for an hour to explain to them why Hasidus is the ter- most terrible thing that had came to the world. Uh, which means he held, and again, you have to understand, these people aren't crazy, so he's a massive tamachacham, but they were nervous, and there were, there were good reasons to be nervous. You read about Shabzai Tzvi, you read about what was taking place, the Frankist, you read about what was taking place during that time, they were nervous that this was going to be the next new open orthodoxy, the next new movement that's going to destroy Kal Yisrael. So every day, he would almost gather them together, and I guess there was a real fear that they were going to fall into it. It was a very, very attractive movement. Every day, he would get them together, and Reb suffered terribly, terribly. He ran away, and... and it's worthwhile to read the book just to see from within his family how much he suffered, and then from outside of his family, he was getting mamish. He was getting. He was suffering, really, literally suffering. People were being moisture on him to the government. Terrible, mamish terrible. Tolber Yisurim. So for him to go ahead and he'll write about this a little bit in Nagdama, him to go ahead and put together a storybook of stories that are fantasy. He's putting together like it's mamish thirteen stories that are fantasy, and you're and this is from a tzaddik. And not only that, he didn't put any nimshal to it. It was a very very bold thing to him to do. And we'll see, he even writes over here that it's only meant for the Hasidim. This is not meant to go past, you know, the small group of Hasidim. And the only reason why he's putting it out is because a lot of the stories already went out and they went out with mistakes. And Abnasan understood from Abnachman that every word in the story is crucial. And if you mess up one part of the story, you're changing everything in the story. It's not just, okay, you got a detail off. The stories are crucial to understand every part of the story. So Abnasan went, Mamash from a serious nefesh, and he printed these stories. And not only that, the way he wrote it, and he understood from Abnachman also, and you can see this in, 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 not on this one, but you can see in a lot of the old. The, the older Sipuramaisis, they'll have it in Yiddish, in Yiddish and in Lashon HaKadosh. Now, Rav Nassim is the one himself that translated from Yiddish. Obviously, when Rav Nachman said the stories, he said them in Yiddish. That was the mother tongue of every, that everybody spoke over there. And when he wrote them down, Rav Nachman also told him to write them down in Yiddish. So now here, here he took another, another, another risk. Because not only are you not putting out a safer of Torah, you're putting out a safer of stories, and not mashalim with a nimshal. It's stories that are fantasy, stories that are, they, again, we'll see the stories. These are stories about crazy things taking place, and, you know, dragons and flying people and, and giants and things that are like way, way beyond what you can imagine. You have to have a very, very wild imagination just to picture these things, right? They've made movies about these things recently. A bunch of like Hasidim got together to make like some, make some movies to try to like portray it to children as well. But you have to have a real imagination to, you know, to picture everything that he's talking about. And then not only did he do that, he put it out in Yiddish. And even from the Hasidim and Breslev, they were not so happy with him because they said, if you're putting it out in Lashon HaKadosh, at least it looks like a safer. If you're putting it out a book in Yiddish, and they used to have books in Yiddish, and we have books in English, they had books in Yiddish. What were the books in Yiddish? They were, I don't know, fiction. Basic, you know, regular, regular books, fiction, plays, random things. So they said, you're putting out a book from a tzaddik and you're putting it out in Yiddish, it's going to look like a book of stories. And you know what that's going to do to the covet of Rab Nachman? They felt that that was going to take away. And Rab Nachman said, Afal Pekin. He thought about it and he said, Afal Pekin, this is what the Rebbe wanted. This is what Rab Nachman wanted. And he printed the stories in Yiddish with a translation into Lashon HaKadosh on the bottom. Because he felt that this would be, have the ability to be able to 
be able to spread to more people than was just in Lashon HaKadosh. He wanted that even the Hamoinam, even the simple people, would have the ability to be able to read the stories. So Nachman said, when he started saying the stories, he started saying the stories in the year 1806, Tavkov That's when he started saying the stories, and the stories took place over about a four-year period that he said, you know, he revealed these 13 stories took place over a four-year period. When he started saying it, he knew that, again, there was going to be a snagdas against it. He knew this was something off the beaten track. This was something that wasn't typical. Nachman said, you know, they're going to ask, they're going to ask kashas, they're going to make fun of it. He said, at the end of the day, it's a story. So if they don't like, if they don't think that there's anything deep to it, a story is a story. Everybody likes a story. Everybody enjoys a good story. It's a good bedtime story. So if they don't think that there's something, you know, lofty to it, if they don't believe that there's Kabbalistic intentions behind it, if they don't believe that this can change their life, at the end of the day, it's a story. And the story is a story. And everybody wants a story. And therefore, Nachman felt, and Rasen felt as well, to put it out in Yiddish, said every kid can read it, every lady can read it. A lot of the people then were illiterate. People couldn't read Hebrew for sure and translate Hebrew. Huh? Never misnagged it. Never misnagged it, exactly. <laughs> Even the first Misa. Again, we're not going to do the first Misa. The first Misa, the way the first Misa begins, is that Nachman says, While I was on the way, Siparti Misa told of her story, and anybody who hears the story will have a her tshuva. Just hearing the story of Avedas Basmalach will cause a person to have a heritage of it. So Nachman wanted these stories to be spread all over. He wanted everybody to be able to access them, even the people that couldn't access the Torah. The Kutimran is a very difficult safer, and he knew that. He knew that it was difficult. He knew that people couldn't access it. But this he wanted, that the story should be able to touch everybody. Everybody should be able to have, should be able to have you know, access to it. And therefore, they're written in Yiddish. They're written in a way that, that talks to people. But it really, it hits you at the core. When a person does these stories, and again, we're, we're going to go through the story, and you read through them, and you understand them, and you realize that He's talking to me and you. He's not, talk, he's not saying some deep fancy Torah. He's talking to me and to you. And he's telling us a story of our lives. That every single one of us are living a story. Every single one of us are living the stories that he's talking about. These 13 stories. We're going through a story. And we're going through the journey that he's talking about. And, and one of the mindless of saying over stories. And this is why the story is going to be so, you know, so important. Is that when you hear a story. And you read a storybook. What you're doing is you're, you're, being able, you're able to see things. With a, you know, with a big lens picture. Which means when you're living your life right now, you're living that today is Wednesday, nine o'clock at night, nine, 10 o'clock at night, and I'm living my life. But you're not able to really t- have a bird's eye view on your whole life. When you hear a story, if somebody would write a book on your life, so you'd be able to see the bird's eye view of your whole life. after our is gonna write a biography about all of us because we're all gonna be very chachash of people in some way or the other, whether we give a lot of money, whether we host a lot of people, some way we'll be, we'll be a gadol in some area and they'll write a nice book about us and then we'll be able to see the bird's eye view of our whole life. But right now we're living in Wednesday. We're not living in, in the bird's eye view. When you read these stories, you're able to see the bird's eye view of our own life. You're able to see that, wait a second, I, I am the chacham, I am the tam, I, I'm, I, I am these people and I'm going through the journey that they're going through. It's not some, some fantasy. It's not some fable about some people. This is my story. This is a story of my life. The Bederach Sipart says, I said a story and whoever listens to the story and hears the story properly will understand that it's a story that's talking directly to each and every one of us. And therefore, again, we'll read the story, we'll learn the story, but, but this, this ability to understand the story will give us, give us the ability to understand our own lives. And it's in a way that just, it, it, it really... It cuts straight to the core. Cuts out ooh, anything fancy, anything extracurricular, anything that's not necessary, and it just talks to us and tells us about our own life. And I, I, there's a lot of stories that we could have done. Again, there's 13 of them. There's a lot of stories that we could have done. There's Mashalom as well, which are not part of the stories. For example, the, you know, the Turkey and the Prince, that's a pretty famous story. That's not one of the 13 stories, but that's also a mushal. That's more of a mushal from a Nachman. It's more of a nimshal over there, the story about the bridge. Everybody knows that you know, the guy went to the bridge and then came back and the treasure is behind his stove. There's a lot of Mashalom like that, much shorter Mashalom. And there's a lot of, even from the 13, I wasn't sure which one to do. I really had a type to do the first one, Avedis Bas Melech. But I felt that the story of the Chacham and the Tam is, is, is the story that we should begin with for two reasons. First of all, Monday night, the Torah that we're learning, Tinyana Yud Beis, 
is very heavily connected to the story. It's a story it, the Torah begins that a person has to go with Tamimus and Shitas. A person has to be able to live his life with simplicity, not getting caught up in Cheshbonus, not trying to overthink things, not trying to think that he has everything figured out, but just to follow Hashem's path in a way of Tamimus and Shitas, which we'll see is the biggest, biggest you know, lesson in the story in a very simple way is just to follow the Ratzon Hashem, not to overthink things, not to try to second guess yourself, not try to second guess the Rabban Shalom, to just serve the Rabban Shalom properly without anything fancy, without any calculations. You're on the path, you're doing what the Rabban Shalom wants, you're, 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 you're in the right place, you're doing what the Rabban Shalom wants, there's nothing else that needs to be had. That's, you know, one reason why I felt that it was Kedai to do it is because it's very heavily connected to Torah Yud Base, which is a Torah we're learning on Monday night. Second of all, out of all the stories, it's the one that I feel like talks to our generation more. I can't say more than any of the other stories that we'll do, but, but it's a story which really cuts to the core of a lot of the issues that we're, that we're dealing with. Most, most of the issues, especially people that live in town, especially people that live in close-knit communities, which we all do to some extent or the other, is that we're very, the more in town you live, and when you live in the tri-state area, the more everybody lives on top of each other. And the more you're living within an environment where everybody's looking at everybody else and trying to figure out, do I have validation from the people around me? How do I measure up to those people that are in my life, to those people that are in my shul? Do I have more money than the people in my shul? Less money than the people in my shul? Do I, learn, do I know more shas than the people in my shul or less shas? Do I have a, more svarim or less svarim? And the way we gauge ourselves, the way we, way we value ourselves is not by real value, not intrinsic value, value that we should have on our own, whether we're meeting the goals that we have and whether we're following Ratzon Hashem. But the way, unfortunately, that many of us do it is we look around and we try to figure it out and right, uh, you know, social media, all of these things are, you know, contribute to it that we don't look inwards to try to figure out are we successful or not, but we look outwards and we look at the people around us and we look at the things around us and we look at what the world views as success as opposed to what we should be viewing as success. And if we set the barometer for success based on somebody else, so we're gonna end up failing because we're never gonna be able to live up to somebody else. And we'll see this, is what happens with the Chacham, is that the Chacham doesn't live for himself. The Chacham's always chasing the next time. He's always chasing the next big thing. He's always chasing the next COVID, the next money, the next wife. He's chasing everything without the ability to recognize, what do I want? What's, what's gonna make me happy? What are my goals that I've set on in my life that are gonna say that, okay, I've achieved the goals that I have, so I've achieved success. The Tom lives a life where when his wife starts badgering him about the fact that he's not making enough money, the Tom says, who cares? Like, I'm not making enough money for what? To bread on the table, I am. To have a, have a roof over our head, I am. I'm not making enough money because you're comparing me to the other people in the, in the community. You're comparing me to other people around. But if you compare me to myself, I'm doing great. I'm living a great life. Oh, if you compare me to other people, yeah, maybe I'm not, I'm not living up to them. But why do I have to judge myself by the yardstick of somebody else? Why is my success, Ruchnius or Gashmius, have to be compared to anybody else? I'm only a good enough person if I compare to somebody else, if I'm as good as somebody else. My davening is only as good if the other guy in the room who I see, you know, has a real longer Shmana Esrei. If I back up three steps to Shmana Esrei and I look around the room and I realize, wait a second, I thought I had a good Shmana Esrei, but I was the first guy in the room that finished, so I must be a failure. Why? I had a good Shmana Esrei. I feel like I put my full Kleiches in, I davened well. Because compared to everybody else who is quick, what, why, do, why does my yardstick need to be comparative to anybody else? And it's an issue which, again, we, we, we all struggle with. It's been the struggle since Adam Rishon was created, that the Nachash, the Nachash had kina. the Nachash was jealous of Adam and Chava's relationship and wanted what, what Adam and Chava had and tried to you know, kill Adam Rishon and to hit the bazuama to grab Chava. But it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's, a, it's something that I think our generation, and specifically those that live in town, I think it's something that we, we all struggle with and something which is difficult and it's no different 
You know, no different whether you're somebody who's chasing money, whether you're somebody who's chasing COVID, whether you're, you, you could, you know, you're the Rav who wants to know why you didn't, why you're not in the Mayetzes Gedele why did I get chosen to be the top five biggest Gedele in Kuala Yisrael? Everybody struggles with this in some way. And this story of the Chacham and the Tam will just give us over the ability to be able to understand how we can make sure that we're serving the Rabbanu Shalom in the way that we need to serve him. Without Chachma, without anything, Tmimus and Shitas. Am I doing what I need to be doing today? Yeah? Okay, great. Then that's it. I was listening to a recording recently of, of my Rebbe in Eretz by Zucker, and he was talking to the woman, and the woman were, you know, it was a question and answer with the woman. And they were asking a lot of questions about how do I make sure that I'm fulfilling my tafkid and I'm not sure that I'm learning enough and I want to make sure that I have more time to daven. And he's like, why, why are you being so fancy? He's like, just figure out every day, are you doing what you need to be doing? Are you a good mother? Are you a good wife? Are you doing what you need to be doing today? Stop. He's like, you're creating these fantasy goals for yourself based on, I don't know, some book that you read, some magazine that you read, something that you heard that you created, or maybe that you heard in seminary, that you taught you in seminary, that you created some fantasy for yourself, and then you're beating yourself up that you're not living up to it. He said, it's not, you're not being fair to yourself. If you're doing what you need to be doing, and you're a good wife, and a good mother, and you're a good Bas Yisrael, and you're serving the Rabban Hashem, that's Avaydis Hashem. What are you looking for some other high in Avaydis Hashem? You're trying to find something else. What you're doing is exactly what you need to be doing. And when we're able to, again, this is the lesson of the Chacham and the Tam, we'll see it happens again and again and again. When a person is able to do that, a person is able to live a life of real tranquility. If my vacation is only a good enough vacation based on whatever I see in anybody else's status or Instagram or social media. So I'm never gonna be happy. And that's what happens to the Chacham. Every time the Chacham goes on vacation, when he travels, he's miserable in every hotel that he goes to. Because every hotel is not good enough compared to the other hotels that he's seen in his life. So, and, and people live like this. It's a very scary thing. We all, we all do in a certain way. But there are people that live and right away, and I, I know I, I'm in contact, unfortunately, with some people like this who, who the first thing they have to say is something negative. There's always some, they always find the fault in everything that they see because there's always something better. Right? You can have a guy who's, you know, who's dating and, and he, he created his image of the girl that he wants to marry. So he wants you know, the here from girl you know, the girl five days ago, five dates, you know, five girls ago, he wants her here with this person's money, with this person's yichas, with this person's brain, right? Why? Because whatever he sees in front of him is not good enough because maybe she's good, but not comparative to the other girl that I dated, right? So if I could just have her mile away, and all of that's the world of the chacham. All of that's the world where we overthink things, we overcomplicate things to the point that we end up miserable. Mm -hmm. That's what happens to the chacham, he's miserable. Every restaurant that he goes out to is not good enough because he knows the comparative to something else that he's tasted in his life, it doesn't, it doesn't match up. And even if everything's good, yeah, but the bread in this restaurant doesn't compare to the bread in the other restaurant. And what about the ambiance over here? And what about the music? <coughs> he's never, ever happy. He can't appreciate the thing that's in front of him. And the Tom lives a life of tranquility. Tom lives a life where he doesn't leave his town. He stays in his village. We'll see, he's born in a village. He's born in his house. He has a Yerusha from his father. He gets a house and he lives the happy life of the villager who doesn't need to become the city boy, who doesn't need to become a big doctor and somebody famous. He doesn't need to make it to the front page of the magazine. He's just happy with living his life. And, and it, if we can figure out how to do this, we'll all be happy. This is the secret of the Chacham and the Tam. If we can figure out how to be the Tam and how to be able to live like Yaakov Ishtam Yeshiva Holam, Yaakov is happy. Yaakov lived a, trink, a, a life of tranquility. Yaakov was a Tam, a real Tam. Not a Tam, we'll see. Tam doesn't mean you're stupid. Tom doesn't mean that a person's you know doesn't have sense. Tom doesn't mean that a person's not smart. You want, to, you want, you want if you want if you want to be you know a person without without sense and without brains, it'll be very very difficult to learn any of Rabbi Nachman's Torah. You have to be very smart to learn Rabbi Nachman's Torah. It's not saying don't be smart, but don't overcomplicate things. Don't overthink things. Yeshli call Yaakov Avinu says Yeshli call. Uh, Esav says Yeshli Rav. Esav says I have a lot. 
I have a lot, but I don't have everything. Yaakov Avinu says, Yesh li kol. I have everything that I need. Right? The Svasama says, Svasama, I just saw the Svasama's mamash today. Svasama says, Yesh li kol. Sounds like Yaakov Avinu has, is boasting that he has more than Esav. Esav is saying I have a lot, and Yaakov Avinu is saying I have everything. Yaakov Avinu is saying, he says, Yaakov Avinu lives a life that I have kol. I have everything. I'm not looking for anything more. Everything, whatever I have right now is the whole thing because I'm not comparing it to anything else. So what I have in front of me is the greatest thing that I need. When a person lives that life of Yesh Likol, that's Yaakov Ishtam Yeshiv Aholam. I said, Bashal, should this this past week? That could be, that's what Chazal mean. When Chazal said that Bikish Lavan, Lakaris HaKol, that Lavan wanted to wipe out, wipe out everything. Why? Because we say it's in Agada. Because Lavan was, Lavan was geyser on the Scharm and in the Kephis. Lavan wanted to wipe out the males and the females. And Pare was only geyser on the Scharm. Pare only, was only geyser on the males. So everybody asks, where do you find Lavan trying to kill everybody out? Right? The one thing that he says, Abanam Banav, He comes chasing after Yaakov Avinu and says, it's all mine. Abanam Banav, Everything's mine. Where do you find him? He, he was so evil. Again, he switched the wives. He did some terrible things. And he tried to, he tried to scam Yaakov Avinu out of his schar, out of the money that he owed him. But Bikish Lavan Lakar Sakol. But what could be the taiches that love it. when love and saying habanam banam habanam banai vabanai zbnaisai? He's not talking about Yaakov Avinu's physical children. He's talking about the actions of Yaakov Avinu that we know that Rashi says Ela told us Ela told us noyach noyach ish tzadik tamam may be deraisav. What does Rashi say? Iker told us sayam shel tzadikim is there ma'isim taifim that what are the real children of tzadikim? Are their actions? Lavan comes along and Lavan says habanim. All the children that you have, which means the spiritual children, the things that you've done, all those things that you've done, it's all mine. Not, none of it means anything. None of it's valuable. Lavan tries to wipe away the good things that we've done by saying it's not valuable because it's, it's small. It's banim. It's banais. It's small. It's children. It's not valuable. And Lavan tries to wipe all that up by saying banim banai, banais banaisai. Bikash Lavan, that's what Chazal means. Bikash Lavan lakar esakol. He wanted to wipe out that call that Yaakov Avinu says, Yesh li kol. Yaakov Avinu says, I have everything. And Lavan comes along and says, hey, you don't have everything. Anything that you've done, anything that you've gained, anything that, you, that you've tried to accomplish in life, Lavan says, yeah, that's great what you've done, but can you compare it to the other person? Can you compare it to Yitzhak? Yitzhak Avinu never left Eretz Yisrael. Yitzhak Avinu never had to work. Yitzhak Avinu wasn't working for a Lavan. So yeah, Yaakov, you think you're great that you have 11, 11 of the shift they call, but you can't compare it to Yitzhak Avinu. He never had to leave. He never had to leave. He never fought with an Esau. An Esau, he never got damaged by Esau, by the Sarshal Esau. So Yaakov Avinu, you're great, but Pikish Lavan Makras HaKol. Lavan tries to wipe out that Indian of Kol, that's Yaakov Avinu's essence, that this, that's a person who is Ishtam Yoshev Aholim, a person who lives in a tent, his essence is I'm happy. Could be, that's what it means, he's, he's living in a tent. Why does Yaakov Avinu live in a bias? Right? We know Chazal say that, ya, that Avram Avinu called the Har a bias, Har. Yitzhak Avinu called it a Sada, Yaakov Avinu calls it a bias. But when we talk about where Yaakov lives, he lives in a tent. Because the people that live in tents are just happy and complacent with whatever they have. They, they don't need anything more. They're not looking for the next thing. He lives in a tent. He's simple. He's living the life of simplicity, a life in which the only thing he cares about is being an Ishtam, saying that I have what I, I have whatever I need. Yeshli call, and he's not looking for the next thing. And if we can, again, that's why I felt that it was, it was worthwhile doing this story because we all suffer from this. We all suffer from trying to find something else in our life that's going to make us happy. People suffer from it spiritually. I just spoke to somebody in Eretz Yisrael. He told me, he said, you know, very sad story, whatever he's talking about, you know, he's talking about after 120. It's not a very old person. He's talking about after 120. He's, he's going through depression. He's talking about, you know, that he wrote his will about what, you know, what he, what he would want, you know, to do. This person has a lot of sperms. He said, he said, my sperm, I would give them all away. He said, I have no, I have no physical attachment. I have no real connection to my sperm. I'm happy. Anyone, any yeshiva wants to take them, can have them after 120. I don't have any attachment to them. And then he thought, and he said, you know why I keep buying sperm? He said, I'm buying sperm because I'm depressed. And I think that the next safer that I buy is going to be the key 
to, fulfill, to the fulfillment that I'm looking for in my life. And he says, it's never worked. Every time I go to the Svarim store and every time I find you Svarim, I'm buying, I'm buying, I'm buying. He's like, my house is filled with Svarim, but it's not filling me up. It's a buy a small East farm, but he said, it doesn't fill me up. It doesn't give me, it doesn't give me a feeling of satisfaction. So people do it for sure physically, and people are running for the next vacation, people are running for the next house, people think that the next big thing is gonna make them happy, that if I only had a pool in my backyard, but only a pool with a jacuzzi, the next big thing is gonna make me happy, if only I have what my neighbor has is gonna make me happy. It's kinna taiva vakavim, it's adam and ailam, but it works in ruchnius also that I'm looking for the next fix in Ruchnius, I think that's gonna fix me. That's gonna fulfill me. If only I learn that safer, if only I go to that yeshiva, if only I meet this tzaddik, if only I get a bracha from this person, if only I go to Yushalayim for, you know, and daven by the kaisel. A person has to say, yeshli kol, do whatever I have in front of me is everything that I need. I don't need anything big and fancy. I don't need anything beyond what I have in front of me. Right here is the Eishli Kol. And again, we'll see this as we go through the story that the big difference between the Chacham and the Tam is the Chacham has everything physically, he's wealthy, he has everybody giving him COVID. He, has, he marries you know, the fanciest lady. He's got, he has everything, literally everything, and he's miserable. Every day of his life, he wakes up in misery. I had a conversation with somebody recently. Somebody works for one of the wealthy, one of the pretty wealthy people in Lakewood. And he told me, he said, I can tell you, he said, I work close with him. And he told me, he said, this guy just did a big party. And he said, it's not, it's, not, it's not giving him the satisfaction that he needs. He says, I feel bad. He said, he doesn't learn. And he doesn't have any spiritual connection and he doesn't, he's looking for something. He's looking for something that's gonna give him, you know, that fix, but it's not working for him. It's really not working for him. He said, I feel bad for him, I'd love to help him. It's not working. And again, we do this physically, we do this financially, we do this spiritually, we do this emotionally, we do this relationships. We'll, we all live in the world of the Chacham somewhat. We were looking for something, we're looking for outside stimulation. We're looking for something that's gonna make us happy. We don't realize that the Tom says, Yeish call. I live in a tent and have everything that I need. I'm not looking for anything else. So we're gonna, we'll, we'll see the story and it's a story which, like I said, I think it's, it's very, very relevant to all of us. And we, I, I don't think any of us need to point out, and I'm not gonna point out, you know, weird, this is, I think we'll see in the story ourselves. And I think we'll be able to see, and we'll see through the smiles and the, in, you know, in people's faces as we read through the story that he's saying our story and we suffer from this and we're the Chacham. And yeah, we have parts of the Tam and really the Chacham and the Tam really live within us. Yaakov and Esav live within us. They're supposed to, they're supposed to work together. That's the ultimate relationship of Yaakov and Esav, our twins, and they're supposed to work together. And we need the Chacham also. We'll see, we do need the Chacham. We don't want to ignore the Chacham. We don't want to wipe out the Chacham. We need the Chacham. The Chacham needs to learn from the Tam. The Tam needs to learn from the Chacham. They need to learn from each other. But that's ultimately, ultimately going to be our, our, uh, our journey. So I just want to, I want to read a drop of the Agdama. So next week we'll, we'll begin the actual story. I just want to read a drop of the Agdama. So you should, you see where it says Agdama? So put a mice Agdama. So whatever, he gives, he gives the first paragraph is just a, a, uh, a paragraph about Rav Nachman where he talks about the Yichas of Rav Nachman. Let's just, we're going to skip to the second paragraph. I just want to read almost two or three quick paragraphs from here. It says, he says, we found this also, which means this bundle we found in our, in our sack. Wondrous stories. said that I heard mouth to mouth. I heard it directly from, from Nachman's mouth. He made many mishalim. He made very, very lofty in wondrous ways. Nassim says something fascinating, that it used to be, 
When we wanted, when when Sadiqim wanted to talk about Kabbalah, one to another, there was a secret key, you know, code language that was taking place by the Kabbalah that they would talk to each other. And to the average person, it would sound like they were saying over stories, but really what they were doing was they were saying over over secrets of Kabbalah. When two tzaddikim talk Kabbalah, they would talk in that way. Until Rav Shemar came along, Rav Shemar came along and revealed the desire. The Kabbalah was around since Moshe Rabbeinu's times, and even obviously before that, since Avram Avinu wrote the Sefer Yitzira, it's always been around. But that ability to be able to talk about it openly only really began with Rav Shemar and ultimately went one shlafaiter with the Arizal and you know with the Balshemtiv and the Gra and all the all the Talmidim and the Ramak who created that that lingo and that language to be able to talk Kabbalah. But he says before them, people are talking Kabbalah, but the way they did it was in a way of stories. For example, you find this thing Gemara all the time, right? The, the, the stories of Rabbi Barbachana, which the first, you know, bunch of terrorists in, in, in Lakut Imran discuss those Agadzas of Rabbi Barbachana. They're also similar stories like the stories of here, the fantasies, the stories about a guy was riding on a, we were riding on a wave and we're on top of the wave and then we went on top, top of a whale. We started cooking something on top of the whale because we thought it was an island. The whale was so big and started moving stories that, that don't make sense logically, and you can't really wrap your head around them. And then you have Tzadikim, like the Grah, who wrote a, a Pirush on it, and the Grah explains exactly what these stories mean, Api Kabbalah and Api Avaida, and Baron Feldman translated into the book called The Juggler and the King, and you have Reb Nachman, who took the stories and translated them. Reb Nachman said that Rabbi Barbachana himself, when Reb Nachman started writing Lekutim around Rabbi Barbachana, the Tana came to him in a dream and said, why are you not explaining my stories? Why, why are you not giving a Hezbollah on my stories? Why not explaining what my stories mean? So Rachman said, you're right. And Rachman spent the first, uh, I think it's 14, 15 Torahs in, in Lekut Imran. Rachman goes through the Agadah of Rabbi Rabbi and explains it. So you had this concept that you find in, in many Agadahs and Shas. There are Agadahs and Shas that are more Musr and there are ones that are stories that are very hard to wrap your head around and it's clear that they're not Real stories, clearly they're not stories that actually happen, but they're obviously telling us a lesson. But what the lesson is, you have to look at the Masha, you have to look at the Gra, you have to look at the Pirushim. But I'm not saying that this is this is the way the Sadiq used to talk Kabbalah. He used to talk Kabbalah one to the other in a way, in a way of stories. A little bit, Ramachim would reveal a little bit. Just to let us know where they're getting to. He says, up until now, how you Rasan said, up until now, up until I'm printing the Sefer Supreme Mises, all of the stories were hidden by me. Many people are saying, when are we going to see the good things? Many of the breast lovers, the desire, they can't get enough of Nachman's story. They say, give me more, tell me more what you have. And what they want even more than anything else is the stories that Nachman said over. They heard the Torah, but they, they're missing the stories. There's a few, you know, that have made it out, some copies that have made it out. There's many mistakes in them. He says the, the great desire that these people have, that they're pushing them to print it. You know, the pressure has become enough. The pressure has been mounting for the past few years. People really want to hear these stories. Nassan says, enough's enough, I'm going to do it. 
Nachman said he wants these stories to be printed. They weren't just stories he was telling them, telling us over then for that generation, but he wanted them to be printed. Nachman gave over exact directions how to print it. On top it should be Lashon Hakodesh, and on the bottom it Laz, which means Yiddish. Nachman said, "What's the world going to say?" At least they're nice stories to say over. And you see this; it's very interesting if you Google online of Nachman's stories. You'll see that secular people and Goyim also they, they say over the stories and they have books written on it because at the end of the day, Nachman said people can't people can't be upset at the stories. They're nice stories. They're enjoyable stories. They're fantasies. They're no worse than any, any other stories that a person. And therefore, he says, "I'm going to bring a Lebeisetfos." Let's just see one one or two more paragraphs. Um, um, one or two more paragraphs, just because he, he explains a little bit what's going on. He says, Rasan says, I know that there's going to be a lot of opposition. And there has been a lot of opposition to Rab Nachman and his Torah, and even more to the stories. Nachman says, the truth will prevail. Nassim says the truth will prevail. I know that there's going to be a lot of pushback. I know the people are not going to like it. Nassim says, that MS will, be, MS will be a witness and MS will end up being, will end up being prevail. We have to do what we need to do. And again, this fits into the story that we're learning about, which is, if Rabbi Nachman said to, to, to print this story, don't get caught up in, well, but I think it would be better if we didn't print this story and maybe it would be more respectful. He said to print the story, so print the story. Not with chachma, not with overthinking things, not with overcomplicating things, not everything needs to be a board meeting. Nachman said to print the stories, print the stories, and that's it. Right? There's no, nothing needs to be fancy. The person that wants to hear will hear, and the person who says, ah, stories, that's what I need to hear from a tzaddik, I need stories. Fine, so you don't want to hear it, don't hear. That's fine. We're going to print them. Because that's what Rabbi Nachman says, I've seen that even with all the pushback to Rabbi Nachman and the, all the snagdas, at the end of the day, this farmer is spreading and it's spreading like a wildfire. Those that accept them get tremendous joy to them. It's like sweet honey in their mouth. People are singing the praises. He says, yeah, there are those that are arguing. There are those that are making fun of him. And there are those that stand up with gaiva and chutzpah against the tzaddik and say, yeah, he's not such a big tzaddik. He doesn't really know what he's talking about. He's not really relevant. But he says, we don't have to talk about them. It's not our, it's not our business. Again, we have to do what we need to do. To me, we're going to print the Sefer. Which means it's the Rabbani Shem's Cheshbani is why there needed to be a snag this against Rav Nachman. It's not our business to get involved in, in conversations and in the Cheshbani of Hashem. So he says, there's been a lot of machlaikas, but... We're going to do. We're going to continue following the path that we need to do, and we're going to move right. And now it's interesting the way he writes. The machlekes took place. He writes, "Who is the machlekes between between chachamim v'tzadikim?" Right? Where Amnachman has a Torah. Amnachman explains it. You can be a tzadik. You can be a talmud chacham, but it doesn't mean you're a tzadik. You could know a lot of information. This will have a lot to do with the chacham. You could know a lot of information. You could be bucky and shas, the bucky and paiskim. It doesn't mean you're a tzadik. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean they are connected to Yiddishkeit in a real way. You can have a lot of information. Your mind can be filled with information, but like the head of Esav, your head could be in the Mars Mechbel, but the rest of your body it's never filtered down. Therefore, he writes the fight took place between Chachamim, 
like the Chacham, someone who knew a lot of information, but he wasn't a tzaddik, va tzaddikim. That's what it says. Ach zois ladas, and this will end with this paragraph. Ki ikor kavan esenu ba'ad v'senu elu sipurim ma'isim, hu rak b'shvil anshle shlomenu, echoisim etzal kachoy. Zakti Manasin, these stories, these stories are private stories. These stories are only meant for Anshish Shlomeinu, only meant for people that are connected to Rav Nachman. They're not meant to be as you know, ammunition for those that are anti, to then take the stories and say, look at this crazy fantical, you know, fantasy stories that are being put out. They're meant for Anshish Shlomeinu. The people that are interested. It says, although I know that by printing it, thousands of people are gonna get hold of it, including those that are outside of the camp. He says, I know it's going to spread further. And Rav Nachman said the stories, he also said them publicly. I understand that. But anybody who has the eyes to see and anybody who has the leave, the heart to be able to understand, will understand. Mikem, which is a drush of Chazal, where Chazal say in the Pasuk, it's not something that's empty from you. Chazal say that if it's empty, if you look at Torah and Torah looks empty, it's Mikem, it's because of your fault. It's because you're lacking something. So Zakhtim Nassim, if you read the stories, and you feel like the stories are just silly, and you feel like the stories are just something that doesn't make any sense, and something that's not relevant, and something that's not deep and not lofty, Vimdava Reiku, Mikem. Nassim says, I'm giving out the stories and there are going to be people that are read it that are going to make fun of it. But he said, that's only your deficiency. It's not the story's deficiency. These are things that stand in a very, very high place. He says, I heard from Nachman Atsuma. Every word of the Sipurim Isis, every word of these 13 stories has a Kavana Atsuma. Somebody who changes one word, so change one word and you already lose that on a tremendous amount of the story. Nachman said that the stories are on a higher level than the Kutimran. Kutimran is a very, very deep, difficult safer to learn. Nachman said the stories are even a higher level than that. Nassim says we should give a drasha. That's what we're doing tonight. We should give a drasha about them. Lama de Beis Knesset to stand up in shul. And like we mentioned, we were talking about it earlier today, that a breast of the minig is in every breast of shul, to, to do this by Kiddush, every Kiddush, and come out every breast of shul, they'll save the stories. And the Rav who's there, the Manig who's there, the Mashpi who's there will say some Pirush and explain it, but they save the stories. They get up in shul and they save these stories. Nassim says that somebody who's a Bucky in Kabbalah will understand that these stories are filled, filled, filled with Kabbalah, every word in its Kabbalah. If he stops to think about it and uncover it, he'll understand that every word of it's Kabbalah. They're not some cute stories that you tell your kid when you put them to sleep. They're also that, but they're also very, very deep Kabbalah. Aside from the Kabbalah, there's also a Cyrus Musr Nifla they also talk to us in a very, very practical, relevant way. Somebody who understands them will understand them on his own. Most of these stories, come out all of them, 
will naturally draw the heart to Hashem. Loshav Hashem is baruch ba'emes la'amitei la'asikrak ba'toyrava avoyde tamer la'hapech panav to change one's face. Ne'havle ya'olam lagamri not to be caught up in in the havle ya'olam kasher yira haroy ba'eni sechle and be stuck up ahem ba'emes. If you look at them with eyes of truth, with a heart to understand, Nassim says the truth will stand as a testimony by itself, and you'll be able to see that these stories will change your life. You'll be able to see the greatness of these stories. And Mitzvah Shalom will continue next week. We'll, we'll we'll probably move straight to the story next week. We'll continue with the beginning of the story of the Chacham and the Tan. Mitzvah Shem, we'll see. This is uh, this is Mama's our story.